Welcome to the Infinity Bros Podcast, the only podcast that is perfectly balanced as all things should be. I'm your host, Max Mosier, here today, wherever you're listening, however you're listening. Thanks for making us part of your podcast experience. I am not alone today. I am here with one other of our six Infinity Bros. It's Infinity Bro Zane. Zane, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing wonderful. Happy to be here. Happy to talk about some stuff and yeah like we we're talking about uh, in the pre-show like i don't know if this happens too often of just a show of me and you so excited we're uh breaking barriers we're breaking barriers we're doing an early review because of the super bowl this week eagles versus chiefs we talked about this on the pre-show but tell the audience who do you got this week for the for the chiefs and eagles matchup i'm taking the chiefs it's a toss-up could go either way i want a good game but i'm going chiefs We're going to move on from it because I know a lot of people out there, some nasally breathers listening to the pod right now, getting a little hot and bothered that we'd even bring up sports. So there you go. That's fine. That's all it is. That's all it is. Uh, I will ask one Super Bowl related question, but it doesn't have to do with the sport. It has to do with the commercials. Are you expecting any big commercials this weekend for any specific movies or TV shows? Obviously, we had the Fast 10 trailer just show up. Like, are you looking for a Marvel trailer this weekend? There's been rumors that Guardians of the Galaxy will have another one. Maybe, you know, the Secret Invasion show. Are you maybe looking for a Flash trailer of that hot mess for DC? What are you looking for this weekend, Zane? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, it could be any of those mentioned above. Um, I think, yeah, another... We're going to get glimpses, I think, probably of another Quantumania. I don't know if we're going to get anything for... Currency gas or anything further, we'll probably get something for the yeah the hot mess flash. Um, the only other maybe thing, the Marvels too. They could do the Marvels. You think so? Or do they hold out on that and wait till the next next movie after? I guess I, I guess I don't know how many spots they have, but sure. I feel like you, you want to prep what's going on right now. I just I don't know if we're gonna get anything further because it's just like you haven't heard anything. But at the same time, maybe that's the best way of doing it. The fact you haven't heard anything could be telling. Um, the only thing that the only bit that I have on that, that's been teased, um, that's not really comic book related, but supposedly we're going to be getting a tease of from PlayStation with the release of their PlayStation VR two, that they're making the new God of War Ragnarok. And I believe event horizon are coming out supposedly are going to have VR versions. Well, there you go. Some people have said that they, that, uh, that might get a commercial. So that would be kind of cool to see. I mean, it's the Super Bowl. As long as you're willing to pay $10 million for 30 seconds, you can put it on there. They don't care. Oh, right. Absolutely. They don't care. Yeah. You can hear more about what we thought about the Super Bowl and all that stuff. If uh, you're interested in listening to us talk about that and some quantum mania predictions, we did that before the show. We do a little Patreon 30-minute pre-show that you can check out. We talk about Super Bowl prop bets. Uh, we, we do dive a little into the sports stuff. If that's not your jam, I wouldn't suggest this episode. But if it is, you get to hear from us. It's good. We got a jam-packed show for you today. We're talking about The Last of Us, Episode 5. It got released early. Uh, Oh, my gosh. Today is Saturday. So yesterday, days are hard. (laughs) And uh, so we're going to talk about Episode 5 today, uh, Endure and Survive. And then we're going to close the show out with some little bits uh, in regards to Marvel rumors coming up. One big rumor in particular we'll talk about that we'll highlight that I know we will be marketing is... Who is potentially the big bad for the Secret Wars storyline? There are rumors of who that person is and who that actor will be, and it will shock you. So make sure you stick around to the end. 
But you did not come here for that. You came here for The Last of Us, Endure and Survive, the fifth episode of the series on HBO Max. Zane, you have yet to be on for an episode of The Last of Us review. Or were you on episode one? I take that back. You were on episode episode one. one. Forgive me. So uh, you were on episode one, Zane. I apologize. But you haven't been on since. Before we dive into your thoughts, Zane, I want to make sure that we get people familiar with our rating system because I'm going to ask you some rating questions. So real quick, I'm going to put the rating bumper right here. Here on the Infinity Bros podcast, everything is ranked from a zero to six point scale. Zero meaning horrible and six meaning absolutely excellent. If all of the Infinity Bros rank something a six, it gets an infinity snap. And then just to kind of I'm just going to do a blanket right now because I feel like some things that happened today maybe need to get referenced. I'm just going to put a spoiler bumper right now. I'm just going to get out of the way in case we slip up on anything. This is your spoiler warning. This is. Prepare yourself. An Infinity Bros. Prepare yourself. Spoiler. (laughs) Warning. All right, Zane, I got those out of the way. I just had to get those pleasantries done. From episodes two to five, like where were you, or two to four, excuse me, where were you sitting coming into episode five? Because I know episode one, you were really hyped about it. You really liked where they were going. Did you still have the warm fuzzies after four episodes? What was your rating? Oh, absolutely. Through four episodes, like it's, it's, ex, I don't, yeah, it's exceeded my expectations. Like it's, you, you've expected kind of an episode to kind of that drop to be like, ah, oh, this hasn't, but like, Every episode that I've come in, like, yeah, there's some you're like, oh, maybe this could have been a little different or this. But you're just like, every episode has met my expectations of what I like wanted to see, what it needed for, you know, your story building, action, you know, whatever flavor they were kind of going for, they've hit well on. Um, so for me, just every episode, it's it's been on point. It's been, you know, what I've wanted it to be. And so, yeah, I was very excited to get five. Um, yeah, we got it early. Uh, so, yeah, it felt like this week was a little that extra special. It's like, my goodness, we got two episodes in one week. It's a little treat. Sure. Fantastic. So, yeah, just going into five, like I was ready. Um, and yeah, like I said, it's been meeting with expectations. I knew um, going in that this was going to get in some of the heavy content because I knew kind of where it's at in the story. But uh yeah, no, everything is it's it's met where I've needed to be. And so, yeah, it's been wonderful. I haven't been on for a couple of episodes, but I'm really thrilled with the direction the show has gone. I was kind of lackluster with episode three because I felt in that episode, and you can go back and hear this review, but just quick broad strokes was I felt that that focused too much on Frank and Bill yeah. and we needed more time with Ellie and Joel. And I feel like they've really made up for that since that episode. Like it it felt to me since I watched that episode, they heard that criticism and said, we got you. Don't worry about it. And it's just been that way ever since. Like anytime I've had a criticism of this show, it feels like the next episode they're in my head and they're taking care of it, which I just love. Right. And yeah, I I loved episode four. I I give it a six out of six. It was very, very strong. And I I was just over the moon to come into this. I actually got to watch it on the plane on Tuesday because I was traveling for work and, uh, to get two episodes in the course of 72 hours has been such a joy for me. <laughs> Not going to lie to you. I've, I've really been fat and happy cat on the subject. This episode was directed by Jeremy Webb. He actually directed last episode. I want to pause just on that piece of note. There's no way this guy is not doing like a big time show after this. Right. This He's is going to be a full name on the map. This is, this is his take a bow, Jeremy Webb. You're the guy. 
these two episodes, in my opinion, are the best episodes of the series so far. He is known for Masters of Sex. Oh, oh. Downton Abbey. What? The Umbrella Academy. Oh. Altered Carbon. Okay, okay. Runaways. Oh. (laughs) The Punisher TV show. Okay. Legion. And Fear the Walking Dead. And for some people, they might be familiar with Elementary. As well as, you're going way back there now. We're starting to get deeper into there. Doctor Who Confidential. Like, this guy's been around the block. Jeremy Webb. Yeah, when I because when I watched this episode, and this is why I started this way, I was like, oh, Jeremy Webb, that guy's going to be famous for sure. No, no, no. He's already famous. He's already famous in everything. That dude doesn't stick with one genre. <laughs> yeah, man. Lock and Key. I don't watch Lock and Key, but I, I know there's a huge fan base out there for it. That's good. I, I really tip my hat to this guy. This is a really impressive resume, and it showed in this episode and last episode for sure. Behind the camera, I thought he did a good job. Anything you'd add onto what I'm saying there? I couldn't, uh, I wouldn't be able to pick him out of a crowd. <laughs> like never even heard the name, but you, yeah, look at his resume and even just his work on these past two episodes. Absolutely fantastic. It's funny. Cause I, I see the Punisher stuff when I watch the set piece, the action set piece that happened in this episode, we'll talk about in a bit. I, I, when I read that earlier today, I was like, he definitely did the Punisher. I mean, right now that that's in your head, you can see the pieces now. And you're like, okay, I can. That's why I was like, you're naming some of those off. I was like, okay, I guess that kind of makes sense. And the Punisher one that makes mm-hmm. sense. Like it gets some of those feels. Neil Druckmann, Craig Mazine, great job as always. Bella Ramsey plays Ellie Williams. Pedro Pascal, Joel Miller, Lamar Johnson's playing Henry. Lainey Linsky is playing Kathleen. Jeffrey Pierce is playing Perry. And then uh, this is the debut of Kayvon Woodard, who is, in fact, deaf in real life. Um, He plays the eight-year-old Sam. I believe, Zane, am I correct? My information is telling me that he's 13 in the game. Can you confirm that? That is correct. Yeah, because he's about the same age as Ellie in the game. And obviously this was debuted. If you're listening to this episode later, they debuted it early because the Super Bowl is happening Sunday. Incredibly wise decision by them. I think it will pay off long term because this is a strong episode. And I think I think people might go back and rewatch it after the Super Bowl because they're going to do it at 8 p.m. on HBO. If you have HBO, if you want to check that out. Some interesting trivia, Zane. We did the spoiler review, but I wanted to share this with you because I was interested to hear maybe your game perspective. You are major gamer. You've played the game. I have not. When the bloater kills Perry, it rips his head off. This is the same way the player dies if the bloaters catch them in the game. Mm-hmm. Yep, I noticed that right away because, yeah, it's the same and you can watch it. It's staying your shot for shot because, well, with Joel, because with Ellie, the the kill sequence for Ellie is just basically just punches her. But, I mean, she's just like a kid, so that makes sense. But, yeah, it's the actual the mocap of it. It's the full rips the head off, and that's how it happens in the game, too. And I saw that, and I was like, that is a very cool touch that that was also included the same way it is in the game. This was the first time in the story that a that a infected kid was displayed. So we had the scene where Ellie's in the car okay, and that infected yeah. girl comes in. Do you have any recollection of that happening in the game scene? Other than Sam, obviously, Sam obviously gets infected. Right. I don't remember that. But I mean, there there were, like I said, and 
throughout the whole series, they've been making the minor changes and different story-wise stuff. I don't remember that actually happening in the game. I thought that was interesting. And I thought the girl, the little girl entering the car, and we'll talk about that whole set piece in a bit. It was jarring. Oh, yeah. It was creepy. The movements was creepy. It was sad. Yeah. Everything else was it first. I'm a dad now. I got a four and a two year old. It's just sad now. It's not it's not creepy. It's sad. It's weird. It's a it's a when I was like, like we talked to people dead <laughs> like <laughs> earlier in life. That'd be freaky. Now it's just it makes me sad. I don't know why. That's just the posture I take. Uh, oh, Sam was not deaf in the original game. Uh, it's an added trait for the TV show, which I thought was interesting. And actually, they brought in an ASL coach for this show that uh, Sam's uh, Sam could work with. And Lamar Johnson and Bella Ramsey actually picked up ASL through this. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Lamar Johnson has to use this when he plays the role of Henry. But Bella Ramsey allegedly picked up on it really quickly. And they said it made a huge difference in this episode. I think it does not cross emotionally unless the ASL coach was brought in. And I think they did a really great job. I really hope to see Kavion, uh, Kavon, excuse me, uh, Woodard back. Oh, hope yeah. to see him back in a role in the future. He was very, very You're strong sure. in this. Very good, yeah. Let's go ahead and rate this episode. We've spoiled some parts of it, but Zane, let's start with you um, on a scale of one to six. Uh, you have, obviously, our audience knows, pl- has played the video game. Give us your rating of episode five entitled Endure and Survive. I mean, it's it's a six. Six out of six. Easy six out of six my favorite episode of the series so far. I think arguably the strongest episode of the series so far. Um, Like it just, you get the touching moments that have been hinted on, or even, you know, what you got even from episode three, kind of like the, the, the whole, the love part. And then now you kind of get this flipped on its head of where love can not always be this sweet, beautiful thing. Because look at what the how what's her name Kathleen or whoever the, the yeah, leader Kathleen. is like mm-hmm. like she's coming after Henry because he killed her brother but he was responsible for what he did to save his brother and it's like there's two people coming out of love but they're coming from two you know two forces that ultimately are like one's once the other one dead and I think that kind of shows that powerful other side of that and. So you have that human thing, but then the way the episode then at the end shifts of, you know, when the ground opens up and that truck falls through and then you're instantly have that flooding reminder that like there's something bigger and way worse than humans right now, too. And just the absolute dread as all those the runners and then that bloater come out and you're just like, this is just we just need to survive right now. Like we're not worried about pass or what and it's just like it's just that instant you know sink in your stomach like we just need to live like this is a scarier thing than people right now and it was just like this episode hit on kind of all of those feelings and kind of brought you on that ride and it was just so well done so six out of six it's the best one so far for me six out of six and i have a very difficult time seeing this episode get beaten to be honest i you have a better understanding of the game. So maybe there's beats that you know that could be more challenging and more heartfelt. And it's fascinating. I talked about the Bill and Frank relationship and I felt that took too much time on the screen. And I felt like you could do that while also leveraging 
what Ellie and Joel are doing. And then this episode did exactly that. It made Sam and Henry the focal point of the episode. Yet Joel and Ellie were very much engaged. And that was super fascinating to me. And on top of it, Melanie Linsky is carrying this role as Kathleen. I, I And she has to carry a very major arc in this. I have some issues with her, and I'll talk about that a little later. I'm just going to talk about that actress later, but it it can't deviate from me giving this episode a six. I mean, I I don't know how anybody could walk out of this going, this is this is this is a poor episode. This is tremendous storytelling. They bamboozle you at the end of this episode into thinking everything's okay, and I I, I just got absolutely gut punch, and I got absolutely bamboozled and hoodwinked. Uh, by the bite at the end on Sam and to watch Henry shoot him and then shoot himself was a complete foil to Frank and, and, and Bill in a good way. I felt like this was a much better way to tell that story. I felt like the Frank and Bill storyline almost romanticized uh, suicide. And I think this was a better depiction and understanding of the pain, guilt, dread, shame that goes into that process and I think suicide is just not a funny thing to joke about, and I think, or 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 leverage up. And I think this episode really took very care, strong care to do it, even to the last frame where she puts the "I'm sorry" on the pad. Yep, it just beautiful storytelling. And this is this this was one where I was just like captivated from start to finish. Anytime I thought we were turning right, we turned left. I really appreciated that about this episode. It's rare right now to watch something and not have an understanding of where it's going. And I felt right. this episode from start to finish did that. Additionally, I'm going to go as far as say this. I, I don't know how Lamar Johnson, Robbie said he's going to get a Marvel or DC role. I don't know how he doesn't get nominated for an Emmy as a guest star for this role. I think he was so good at this role, Zane. I just, Lamar Johnson was captivating. I really hope they can bring this 28-year-old into something major, whether it's Marvel or a bigger property in a show or a24 or something like let's oh, let's absolutely. get this guy on the big screen this is a really great actor and uh i talked about Kevin Kevon woodard as well i those two were tremendous just great job by those two pedro pascal and ellie williams have some of the best chemistry how does that guy make an animatronic yoda and a 14 year old <laughs> sassy girl just the most beautiful relationship on screen the guy is just talented he's just magical he just pulls it off He's magic, man. He's great. And he's way more quiet in this role. Like you, in the Mandalorian, he's not seen <laughs> in this role. He's just not talking. Right. It's a lot of grunts and it's a lot of just looking at people. And I just think he crushes it. Yep. Let's go ahead and talk about this episode. Let's dive a little deeper into this one. After a standoff between Henry and Sam with Joel and Ellie, Henry p- proposes that they can escape the city using the underground tunnels. Joel hesitantly agrees. I loved how Elia basically coordinated all this on behalf of them. If it were up to Joel, those two would have been dead. He would have shot Sam, I think. I think he's that kind of guy. I think he would do it. And what did you think about that relationship as the four of them were together in this episode? Did you enjoy them being together? Excuse me, being together? Oh, yeah, because it kind of just showed that in a way they were similar, but they're also different. Like they were, you know, in the way Joel and Ellie are traveling, you know, hey, we're trying to get out to Wyoming, looking out for, and it's it's the same thing of they're hiding on the run. 
same with Henry and Sam, but you're coming from the aspect of like, yeah, Henry and Sam are brothers, but at the same time, Henry's almost like that father figure to Sam as well. Cause it's just like, he's just older. Um, and so it was nice to see on screen, the fact that you had two people kind of, or two groups in very similar situations, but yet the backstory and the relationship between them are very black and white. They're coming from two very different angles, but yet you see them together and yet you still have the common goal between them. I really liked Lamar Johnson's portrayal of a rat. I thought it was really good how he, he just played this strong role of a man who is doing everything he could to save his brother. He has got leukemia and it's a, this is a rock and a hard place. Like, like this is a very difficult spot to be in as a character. You don't blame him for the decision, but then you find out what he had to do and you find out Kathleen's motivation. And that's when the dots clicked. Cause to be honest, up to that point, I was very empathetic and, and sympathetic to the character of Henry. I was like, this is like a really, I'm trying to understand why she's going so ballistic here for this character. And it also plays into my thoughts on her as an actress. I'll get to her in a sec, but I, I really think Lamar Johnson carried this. And I, his scene in that kid's room that they built was so good. And Pedro Pascal has such a gift of just crossing his arms and looking and saying 10 different things <laughs> while sitting back on a chair. I just, it's so, he is so good Zane. He is unbelievable. He's one of the best actors in our, in our, in our generation right now. He's just absolutely mesmerizing on the screen. And those two, their chemistry was just awesome. And Sam and Ellie were great. And, I loved their relationship and how decisions made when they got to the actions fight scene. And at the end where they had to kind of where she puts the blood on his leg. We'll talk about that. It was motivated from scenes like that. Like in a very short time, we built very strong relationships that I, as an, as an audience member, knowing nothing was really hoping, man, I hope they get to go together on this journey. And I'm assuming they won't be together forever, but I'm assuming that they'll go off and do their own thing. And that just wasn't the case. I want to talk about Kathleen and the characters in Kansas City. Just is something a little different from the game compared to the show. And I know we've talked about this, how there's some things that um, through storytelling with a game, you can get more information that you can't always tell in a show and like vice versa. So when they're down in like the tunnels, that that room they find how with all the drawing on the walls and how yeah. and you know how it was drawn like a castle to go into. Well, so that kind of bit is actually in the games, but you're told that story through notes you find. Wow. And so like that, the, the picture on the wall that someone drew of like the two guys and like our protectors. And it's like Bobby and ish or mm-hmm. Dave and ish or whoever it is. So like that story is basically you find these notes that tell you about ish. And so ish was a fisherman. And so like he left and then he was gone for a couple months. So everything was fine when he left, then he comes back to everything that had happened and the outbreak. And so basically then it, his story is that then he meets this other family and then, so they start to survive. And so then he brings them to that underground little bunker he had that he built. Mm. And then to like thought of like, he let the kids draw on there. And so like, as to get capture the kids imagination, that's why they drew it as like a castle is the entrance. Cause castles are fortifications. Sure. But then the reason why that's empty is someone accidentally left the door open once and then all the click or, you know, all the infected came through and killed everyone that was in there. But that's something in the game you only get through the notes. Whereas 
it was really cool to see how in a show you kind of, you didn't go into that story, but you saw pieces of it. Whereas from the game, yeah, you just got that from reading and world building. So it was an interesting way of, you had a different medium, but you still built that into your story. Yeah. It's fascinating how they're, they're, they're leveraging these two mediums in such a way that's so unique. Like I hear feedback from individuals like you saying, Hey, this is a really different way, but it's not messing with the story that I know. Right. It's still telling the story that needs to be told just in a slightly different way. Using maybe different names and different scenarios. Right. Right. Yeah. No, really good. I want to talk about this, this actress and just the whole Kansas city thing. Um, my only gripe the last two episodes has been Melanie Linsky is not the actress to me. This is a poor acting choice. Her lines are really well written. Her motivation is really well written. She's kind of a jerk. She plays a good jerk, but for whatever reason, I'm not buying that. She's the sister. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying that. She's supposed to be this person that's scary. And that Jeffrey Pierce is like, I follow you into battle. I didn't buy it. I love the last two episodes, so I'm going to give them a six, but I'm going to give her portrayal a two out of six. I I really, I have a huge gripe with her. I I don't even know how to describe it other than like, I just don't like her. And I don't know why that is. And it's, I've never heard of the actress. It's probably not. I just don't think this was a role for her that I would have put her in. And I just wasn't buying her portrayal of these huge, massive lines. For instance, in the action set piece. Oh, you think you should give up the world for this kid that everybody should move over for this kid? That's an incredibly big foreshadowing line, I'm assuming, in the show. I would have liked to see a better actress portray that. I really think she didn't sell it. Again, the writing is tremendous. That's a great line. It's pretty crazy to hear they're just kids and they'll die. Kids die every day. That Again, really jarring line. I But I for some reason, just my personal flavor... Melanie Linsky just isn't, isn't working for me. Not working for me. What was your thoughts on her as an actress? Well, that's something because I don't remember if it was an article I was reading or somewhere they were talking about that as well. Um, part of the reason they went into that um, with her is like, I think part of the motivation of her specifically was that they wanted to give it a person that's a nondescript, like it's not this powerful person. Like it's a person you wouldn't expect to be in that role. Sure. And so that was kind of what they were going for. Um, I think what I was hearing too, like she's new on the scene. Like she hasn't had a ton of stuff. I don't remember. I think she she just, she's from New Zealand, I think. Like she doesn't, I don't think she's had a ton of big stuff, but I think they were kind of going from the route of like, this isn't the person you'd expect leading the resistance. Sure. You know, in that position, but yet it was kind of that person that like, here they are. And so I think they were kind of going from that aspect of it's not this cool, you know, it's not your, like you'd look at it and you'd think, Oh, Perry's the leader, the, the cool guy with the big beard, you know, but like that gives it off. But I understand where they're going with the character. Right. It maybe could have been delivered better. I think the delivery just wasn't there. I, I think I just did not buy that she had experienced what she had experienced. I just got the vibe of a substitute teacher who is a jerk. <laughs> that was the vibe I got. And I don't even I'm I don't I, I, I don't think it's even on Melanie Linsky. I think it's just I just don't think you were a good fit for the role. I think it should have been somebody else. Nothing personal to her. I don't think she's a bad actress. I think she 
she delivered what she needed to get done. I just, I would have liked to have somebody a little more menacing there. And I do also understand the point you're making. It's, it's, it's supposed to be a not, not a script person there. Like it's right. I got it. If there's guys with AK 47s looking at the mom, the soccer right. mom, I got the vibe. I'm, I'm picking up on that. It just didn't work for me. It never worked for me. And I just wanted to make a point for that. I don't really understand fully why it didn't work for me. And I think that, that, uh, uh, that either goes to direction or acting and everything else direction wise is kicking butt. So then my, my personal thought is it has to be acting neither here nor there. That's just my two thoughts. Then we get to the action set piece. So let's talk about before the bloater and all those clickers get there. And even Melanie, get, uh, 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 not Melanie. Um, oh my gosh. Kathleen gets there. Forgive me. You have this shootout from the, the house with the sniper and the old man. And, and obviously Joel goes around from behind. So also I owe an apology. I said a couple episodes that I didn't know if Joel was a badass. found that out. We're good now. So just for those that were like, oh, I, I think it was Isaac that tweeted the clip of me saying that. I'm like, should we tell him? Like, yeah, no, you don't need to tell me. I saw it now. We're good. That was such a video game moment, Zane. 100%. It felt like I was playing a video game watching that. So well done. And for him to go in there and just the standoff with the old man, just the don't do it. Yep, just put it down. And then all you hear is the shot. Oh, so good. So good. What were your thoughts on that scene before we get to the big, big fight? Yeah, you know, like that was the, the only thing leading up to me or kind of leading up to that, because just from the aspect of someone who's played enough video games and has been in those situations, like I was just like, OK, he left and obviously the guy's still shooting at him. He's running. But like there's got to be a part of you in the back of your mind as that old man to know that like he's getting closer to the house. I should probably pay attention. Like clearly he's coming towards me. He's running towards me. So that was one of those things in those situations. But then they, like, they nailed it. I thought the same thing. But then they're like, he's stalling. That's all it is. He was stalling. So the motivation made complete sense. Right. But you don't find that out until he actually gets up there and they're on the radio that, oh, we're almost there. But like, that was the point. Like, he was delaying them. He wasn't trying to kill them. And then you're like, no. oh, but then, yeah, you get that situation of it separates them. So now he's watching everything that's happening through a rifle scope. Like, he's not actually down there to help. And that just adds to the drama. Like, is that a scene in the game where he's sniping and protecting Ellie from, from up top? Not right there. Because in so in the game, they're not even in Kansas City for this whole thing. They're in Pittsburgh. Sure. So, like, the, game, the show has bumped that up in the timeline. So in the game, all this kind of happens, like they get attacked as they're running through like the tunnels. Mm. So this was kind of its own thing. If I'm remembering correctly, this is kind of its own piece of storytelling. Cause in the game, they, it still has the, there's a scene where at the end as they're trying to get out, they have to avoid like a spotlight. Sure. That's kind of, I guess the house spotlight, it's the similar, whatever, but yeah, in the game, it's as they're going through the tunnels and then they fight and then that's where, you know, Sam ultimately gets bit and everything. But it's it's as they're running through the tunnels, like it's not the above part. So they kind of flip that. But like it worked for the story. Like it, I have no complaints with that at all. It, it was so good. And then to see him just snipe off those clickers one yeah. by <laughs> one was great. So we get the Kansas City. Um, what is their title as a people? I so like well technically like that's not in the game either they're just like 
I don't know if you want to call them the resistance or resistance freedom sure. fighters, whatever. Like they just, they overthrew the Fedra and they were controlling the town. I don't know if they specifically had a name, even from the games. I think they were just the people that overthrew Fedra. When they showed up, I was like, how on earth are they getting out of this? Right. I legit in my brain did not have an understanding. I was like, Henry's going to die and they're going to escape. How right. are they going to escape? I don't know, but they're going to escape. Like this isn't the end. We've got too many episodes to go, but then the clickers show up and everybody dies. Again, I thought these characters were going to be here the whole season. I thought Kathleen and what's the other guy's name? The guy with the gun, forgive me. Perry. Perry. I thought they were there the whole way. I was like, what? They're dead. <laughs> You just gave me all this emotional buildup for them to die. All right. I'm cool. And don't get me wrong. I was thrilled that Kathleen died. Couldn't have been more (laughs) thrilled. That was a very, very fulfilling death in the context of these stories. But you get the creepy scene with the kid in the car. You get Sam. You essentially watch the scene where he gets bit and Henry trapped under the car. But man, the the, uh, Pedro Pascal just shooting these bad boys off one by one. And then the bloater. Tell our audience that hasn't seen this this show or played this game before. Talk about bloaters. What are they? So the bloaters is technically like the stage four of the evolution of once is the cordyceps like infects someone. So basically is you got like your regular infected or the runners. That's like stage one. Your stage two is the stalkers. Stage three is the clickers. Stage four is the bloater. And so the bloater is basically like the biggest, strongest, like it's not fast. So it's a very, you know, different from the early stages, but like, um, the, the fungus has basically completely taken over the body. Um, and so it still hunts and everything via clicking like the clickers, but it is basically gone. So now it's not fast because it doesn't have the human body, but like the human body then has basically, it grows external like fungus if you will and it almost creates like armor it creates like an armor and so they're basically like tanks now so they're how do you kill them that was my first question so in the game you have to burn them (laughs) a lot of fire or the other one is you need like armor piercing rounds to like actually pierce because that's how tough they are and so that that's what like in the game that is the big like you need to run from these if you have to be incredibly well prepared to fight these things. And so there are multiple sections in the game where like you really can only run from it. It's that is the furthest advancement of the infection. It's the strongest. And yeah, like we saw in the like it is the most intimidating. Like it is just going to come at you and like your bullets aren't going to do a whole lot. Like in, if if they do a third game zine, do you think they'll add on to the bloaters? Like without with I, I don't, I'm not familiar with what happens, but there's time that advances after the first one, and I'm assuming there would be time that advanced after the second one. Do you think they'd make a fifth stage where it like can fly or move a little faster? What are you thinking? So technically, there is a fifth stage, um, but not really. Um, so it's basically the big bad. Now, granted, the big bad, if you will, of part two, the second game. It gets dubbed the Rat King. And so what that is, is basically the spores and stuff, it mutated in like a small, I think if I remember right, it's in a smaller, like confined area. And so the Rat King is basically, they, a bunch of them fused together. So it's like a bloater, a clicker, and they basically, the fungus morphed them all together. Oh my gosh. 
and so it's not technically a fifth stage because it had to be, it was in kind of like a certain set of circumstances that created it. Whereas with the bloater, like it automatically will become a bloater if it keeps, if it doesn't die. Cause it's like the infected are that they are considered the runners for like the first like two days. And then I think the stalkers is from like a week to a year. And then clickers are after like a year to three years. And then I think a bloater forms after like four years. So the bloater is like one of the first people that get infected. Essentially yes. In it's, City. it's been there for a long time. Yeah. Wow. Crazy. Really excited about that lore. Hadn't really processed. I mean, I'd seen a shot of it in the promotional material, but hadn't processed when that creature was going to get there. Right. And the, I thought that was a cool review because like in the game, and that's why it, like there were some changes and that's why some people were like, ah, could this have been done different? So like, in the game, the first time you see a bloater is with the bill arc. So granted, they change everything with the bill and the whole Frank thing. But like when you go to find Bill and you go through all that bit of what we got in episode three, like that's actually when you first come across a bloater in the game. Sure. But this they're like, OK, we're going to tell the you know, change the bill arc. And so then they brought it into this. It didn't have any less of an impact. It was still very much like, oh, my goodness, <laughs> here's this thing that we don't know what it is, but it's just going to we need to run from it. So it still had that impact, but it works for the narrative of the show too. Right. It fits in the narrative, but yeah, in the game, the bloaters are revealed much earlier. Jeez. That's awesome. It's a great way to kind of zig out of that really high tension moment. I loved at the beginning of your review too, when you had articulated, there's all these human problems, there's all these human tensions, and then the reality kicks in again for everybody that they're in a zombie apocalypse with fungus trying to kill them. Yes. And that's ultimately, uh, that's something that's always present throughout the games uh, or through the game and everything. It's just, and I think that's uh, like, I was a big walking dead fan too. And like, as the series went on, I think that's something that kind of, they lost touch with the walking dead. It became so much more focal point on humans. And granted, I get that there's a message in there, but like zombies kind of became the side character. Whereas like with this, it, it reminds you that like, no, 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 you still need to pay attention to the infected. Yeah. Like you're going to have the human problems, but ultimately it's still the infected's world. The map goes through the infected. Yes. Everything else is secondary. And and I mean, the characters are proving it. Every side character to this point has died. Right. And that's, I think was what was an interesting kind of a just juxtaposition on that because so in the games, I mean, you don't, Bill doesn't die at the end of the games, but I understand their point of episode three of showing a story that like, Hey, someone kind of took it in their own hands, kind of that love story. Cause like through the rest of this stuff, like it doesn't stop even with what we had through episode five. Like you're reminded that like life is fleeting, like anyone can die. And so like, I, I can looking back on episode three, I can understand more of, Hey, we wanted to have one episode of kind of more of a positive look on that whereas because like you're gonna get a whole lot of the other way throughout the rest of this series yeah the context is way more understanding now in hindsight 2020 why they did it the way they did right makes a lot more sense yeah and i was i was critical of it and i i still probably wouldn't give it a higher rating but i i understand and respect the decision and i right i'm okay with that and you know what not every show is perfect but doggone it this one is pretty pretty good so far this I'm getting like Mandalorian vibes from this one, Zane. Like it's it's funny because like Pedro was in that too, but like 
it's it's a little deeper than that. It's like, wow, this is fresh, this is new, but it's something old. <laughs> it's it's the the genre is old, but it's a fresh spin on it that I enjoy and I don't feel like I'm getting the shaft and there's more to come. Right. And I think that harkens back to just the fact that like when you have a really good story and you can still tell it well, like that still shines through. And that's something I even said on like the first episode review. This is one of the greatest stories like of a video game like I've played. Like it, it's not like my favorite game or anything, but like this is one of the best stories you can play because it's so well done and it's so powerful in everything you go through with this game. So like I recommend everyone play the game, but like and then so now as we're getting this show out, watch the show because they're hitting all the same notes. So like everything you're feeling and everything you're saying about this show, like it's it's the game is the exact same way. And so I love that they still carried this over. Great transition to Henry and Sam. You get this moment of life where you feel like, Hey, there's a future here. And then all of a sudden Sam articulates the line. If you're bit, are you a monster still on the inside? And, and the beautiful scene of Ellie having this information of my blood is medicine, which was, I thought was a really beautiful line. And she puts the blood on his leg and he asks her to stay up with him and the haunting scene the following morning where he attacks her and Henry makes decisions so fast. It was so human, such a human scene. It was his instinct was pick the gun up because he knew paid. I'm sorry. He knew Joel would shoot him immediately, mm-hmm. but instinctually he knew it had to be him because he's given everything to this point as a character for this person. So he's like, I've got to be the one. And and honestly, I know he felt guilt about it, but I think he shot him to put him out of his misery. I think that was the motivation. Well, right. And that's part of what the deeper thing is there. So not only because you're infected and is attacking Ellie and everything, but just like, this is your responsibility. And it's also that like, it's your responsibility to end it so that they don't have to be that, Mm -hmm. you know? Which is a twist I've never looked at in this I mean, I guess we've seen it in zombie movies. Hey, shoot me when it's over. Like, um, I mean, we, we watched we we watched last last week uh, Resident Evil. It happened in Resident Evil, right? It's yeah, like that. That's yeah. a conversation in that movie. I, I think I just thought it was a very great twist, but also an incredibly jarring moment. It was so fast. It was so fast intentionally, and there was no word said. It was just give me the gun, and then bang, and it was. Oh my gosh, just excellent acting. This is Lamar Johnson's moment. He deserves awards for this episode, in my opinion. This oh is yeah, he was phenomenal. Really good. I, I know people were really high on the Frank and Bill actors. Um, I, I I think Lamar Jackson, just, uh, Lamar Jackson, Lamar Johnson, excuse <laughs> me, just stole the show. I think this is a tremendous job. And wow, what a scene. And this is the episode also I'll give credit for. I believe this is the episode Bella Ramsey has officially put her 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 stamp on this character. Oh, yeah. She was really good in this, and I think she has a bright future in this industry. Yeah. Any last thoughts on it? I thought you really captivated. Oh, I think what the show is earlier with your thoughts, though. No, not really. Like I just I'm excited to see you know as things keep unfolding. So, yeah, it was like I knew, I knew what was coming with this episode, and it was like all right if they're going to keep going with what the game, like this is going to be a heavy one. And so as we continue on, like it's, you're going to have heavy moments too, but 
like I said, as long as they keep hitting these same strides and same notes, we're we're in for a fantastic, you know, fantastic show. So I'm uh, I'm ready for episode six already. Well, there you go. We're gonna head into little bits. Little bits. Little bits. Little bits. I haven't done this in a while. It's been a hot minute. It has been a hot minute since we have like a whole segment dedicated to this. (laughs) So just a heads up for those that are like, hey, why aren't you talking about Ant-Man Quantumania? Make sure you subscribe to the Patreon and you can hear our thoughts. We spend about 10, 15 minutes talking about predictions. Uh, We talk about what we think about the Council of King. We talk about what we think is going to happen to Scott Lang in that. It's really good stuff and always a treat. We give Zane a hard time on the show, (laughs) but I always like talking comics with Zane. He knows his stuff. He's got great context and history. Don't miss out on that. You want some bonus content, go check it out. For little bits this week, um, there's some interesting rumors getting sh- getting thrown around. And one in particular really caught our eye, and I wanted to chat with you about this, Zane, because it makes a lot of sense. And it also, to me, gives credence to how do you make Secret Wars the end game of this whole thing. And if you've listened to our show before, we've talked. I believe all of us pretty much subscribe to we're going to see all the OG Marvel characters come back under the sun for one big thing. Maybe a couple characters are omitted. I think Zane would throw his his chair if at least Nicolas Cage is not there for Ghost Rider. Please, please. We need a Ghost Rider at least in that group. (laughs) But the rumor right now is that the um, universe that Doctor Strange traveled into with Wanda I believe it's 868. I'm not 100% sure on the number. I could be wrong on that. But that there's another member of the Illuminati that wasn't killed and that is going to be really upset and is going to cause our incursions. And that is going to be none other than Robert Downey Jr. The rumor, allegedly, is that Robert Downey Jr. will be returning to play the villain and stand opposite of our heroes on the opposite side as the main villain and probably with a onslaught of former villains and new villains that are maybe current actors that are in different suits or old actors or all the above. I don't really know. Um, so yeah. Um, your thoughts on this rumor. Cause I thought we talked about this pre-show in our group chat, but I didn't get to hear your thoughts and I'm glad you were the only one that didn't say anything. What are your thoughts on this? Is there credence to this rumor? I, I guess all rumors could have some, merit to it i don't think it would be the huge focal point i think you could get some pieces to it or you might get some allusions to it but i just feel like we're moving on from that a little bit um the only thing i've heard from like going along with that is like if you've this is this you know other universes iron man so like just do the plot twist of like make it like Tom Cruise because that was That's like the, the original other, right. Yes. That was the original bit. Like just make it someone else. But I was just like, well, you're not gonna bring in Tom Cruise for, you know, like I you're not gonna build that into the universe. Like I just don't see that as a continuation. I feel like that would be I don't wanna put it as minuscule as like an end credit scene, but I just I feel like this is one that's gonna just kind of stay on the rumor mill. I don't think this is something that's going to be fully fleshed out. We had this conversation, Zane, before our show existed. I would always say, what do you do after Endgame? And we didn't know it was called Endgame at the time. But I always said, what what do you do after Infinity War? Like, how do you do this without jumping the shark? How, how How do you execute this? To me, that feels like a great bookend 
to all of this that allows you to go ultimates on the bit that allows you to say, Hey, we're going to do kind of what DC appears to be doing right now, which is a soft restart, keep some actors, lose some actors. But also you could just say, Hey, you know, Kevin Feige's like, I did what I needed to do. I'm done. I'm going to pass it off to my people. They're going to restart this hard start and go from the beginning and start from the OG Avengers cast, maybe with a brand new X-Men team and really build off of that. I, I don't know what the direction is, but I'll tell you what, Zane, if Robert Downey Jr. signs to a two to three movie deal oh, it's happening. and is playing Iron Man, an evil Iron Man, like a superior Iron Man in that white armor, because that's oh, the yeah. armor he's got to be in, right? Right. I'm telling you what, man, it's going to be difficult for people not to get excited about that. That yeah, that would be very cool. I, I think that's something you're, we're just gonna have to pay attention to see if that news comes out. But my only thing of not wanting that to happen is because I feel like that pushes things away. Because like, what they if they did that with Spear Iron Man, I feel like then we're not gonna get Doom, or at least we're not gonna get Doom until much later. And I feel sure. like the bigger thing would be to get Doom rather than bring an evil Iron Man. I feel like Doom would be a more impactful villain that you could build around and keep moving with. Whereas bringing back Tony Stark to be an evil Iron Man, that's a movie or two. Whereas doom can carry a phase like doom can be your next Thanos, you know, doom has more staying power. I think doom for sure can carry it as well as Galactus. I also think the beyonder is a candidate, right? I, I think there's multiple candidates. I think Doom feels to me like a better fit for X-Men. Uh, where you could do a true secret war movie. Like like a secret, like Fury sends in some, you know that arc. You know the arc I'm talking about where he right. sends in the spies. He sends in Daisy. Daisy's the only one that has recollection of it. Then he mind wipes everybody, brings them back. And then Latveria is attacking all their families. Right. That could be a really great arc to do as well. It could be, or if just from the classic standpoint of just give us this tie in with the Fantastic Four, but I just feel like you need more world building than just be like, here's Fantastic Four and here's Doom. Like, I feel like there's got to be more depth there, but I just feel like that's, that's a bigger storyline. Like I, I would be very disappointed if they just like, Hey, we're going to use Doom, but then he only gets a movie or two. Like, that's someone you need to dedicate time to. He's going to get multiple movies because if they were cool with just one, they would have been, they would have done it already. Right. They're done already. Hey, Zane, I was looking into getting into this gunpla thing. There's one called the Unicorn Banshee. What the heck is that all about? Um, actually, Jarrett, what you're thinking of is RX Zero Unicorn Gundam 2 Banshee, which is from the Mobile Suit Gundam. Uh, actually, you know what? It's time for nerd news. This goes in the category of nerd news. So I know my future self. I'll have already put the bumper there. (laughs) Werewolf by Night producer Stephen Broussard has teased there are plans for future of horror characters in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. This is your jam, Zane. Yes. This is your this is your wheelhouse. Give it to me. Who do you want? Who do you want this to be? Well, I mean, even still, like it's already been said before, like I need Blade. I need Ghost Rider. Like, give me the Midnight Suns. I know it's been something that's been talked about before. I want the Midnight Suns. Like, I think that is the perfect thing of, even if it's just going the route of these one-shots, 
I would like it bigger than even that if you want to go with just that as the introductions, but I think you have enough here, and especially since you're going multiverse, and especially since you're opening up the the possibility of these realities, and it's just like that's who the Midnight Suns go against because the that's the whole spooky reality, if you will. That's who they're fighting against. So like, bring in some of those properties that is kind of on that darker side. And I think that would be fantastic. Give it. So yeah, give me the midnight suns. Midnight suns feels like a layup. I, I hope they fight vampires. Oh, right. Absolutely. Like it, it, I think, I think it'd be really cool to see a world where vampires take over where it's like, it's kind of a micro season where it's like a year almost where the whole well, Marvel cinematic universe gets taken or the whole uh, Marvel earth gets taken over. You go off earth for your stories. So you go, you know, Nova, you go Silver Surfer, maybe Fantastic Four's off planet. You you do some things off planet. Do it, do that, or or I mean, the other one is the Marvel Zombies, which has been that's happening as a cartoon version. But down the line, do you go? You know what? Let's let's we're in a multiverse. Let's just do a different universe and make one Marvel Zombie movie every three to four years. Right. Well, because that's something that's I think a lot of people are less familiar with. Because like I think is it Guggenheim that did it, but like there's a Blade Run where that's the entire run basically is you have a bunch of vampires and familiars like they infiltrated shield because they're trying to make sure the stuff gets set up that they can become immortal. Yes. I remember that. That is a fantastic run. That's a great run too. And that's how you can kind of do the, the winter soldier stuff. Exactly. Cause that can be kind of a, that could be kind of just a one shot thing that they're hunting this, you know, these vampires that infiltrated, you know, shield or whatever. Like, you could treat it almost as scrolls too, which we haven't talked about scrolls in a long time. Scroll watch on the Infinity Bros podcast is like that's our, our just side hobby. The, uh, yeah, that's kind of been like, like the back hobby. pocket. That's yeah, that you know, <laughs> that's that blue beetle card to pull out randomly. <laughs> we always have somebody we think's a scroll on this show. Oh, yeah, you have okay. to. Okay, so the other little bits. So uh, the little bit earlier about Robert Downey Jr. that came out. I want to make sure I credit these guys. The Cosmic Circus Multiverse Podcast. I'm gonna actually put a link to that in the show notes if you want to go check it out. If you're somebody that wants to hear this stuff from the mouth from the horse's mouth, there it is. Here's the other stuff, um, Zane, for you uh, that they said there is another movie between Fantastic Four and Kang Dynasty. Um, the project where the multiverse truly becomes the central broader point. This is all little bits, okay? Is this will happen in Deadpool three? So then that will lead into the next Avengers movie. There's also rumors right now that um, Deadpool 3 is going to have Mobius in it. Allegedly, um, uh, Patrick Stewart is on hold. He's confirmed he said that. Saying allegedly, but he's pretty much said that. And there's a rumor going around. This is a true little bit that it's going to show the scene that Logan references, which comes from the old man, our old man, Logan arc where he essentially kills everybody in the X-Men mansion. Is that a scene you think Disney's got the guts to do, or do you have a hard time believing that I personally, I'm going to go first. There's no way that's happening in my opinion, but it would be fascinating to see in a multiverse movie. Right. Um, it would be fascinating, but I don't think they would do that because if you're putting it in the scope of a Deadpool movie, that doesn't fit any of that narrative of what you're coming from a Deadpool movie of just like, cause even if it sets up for that, like that would be kind of that, that point of just like, I just don't see 
how you fit that in kind of that slapstick, but yet serious type of character Deadpool is. I don't know how you would fit in such a huge, impactful gut punch scene in that movie, unless you wanted to turn Deadpool into the kind of that serious character. And I just, I don't think Marvel or Disney would have any interest in doing that because that's not what people pay to see Deadpool be, you know? Deadpool's going to be rated R. They've said that. And so the only reason that I think it could work is because of the Deadpool movie itself. It's the only movie where you can take that swing in the Marvel universe. So it it, it fits in my opinion to that movie. I just don't think they're going to do it. Oh yeah. I mean, it could get definitely like alluded to and, but I don't think we're going to see it. But if it happens, is it a win or a loss? Cause I think it really depends on how, how they do it. If they go like the true Mysterio route, or they go like, you know, state comic canon. It could be really well done, but it could also be done in poor taste and kind of ruin the legacy of Logan. I think that's kind of the bigger thing of like, why don't even mess with that? Of Yeah. Ruining that legacy of Logan of how good that movie, like there are just some things just, just let it be. Our final little bit as we begin to close out our show and Zane, you have been, you were big on the dark hold early. You were one of the early people in our WandaVision stuff that was saying the dark hold was going to be part of it. Actually, if you go back way a long time ago, you were the first person on this show to bring up the dark hold in regards to WandaVision. The final rumor, and this is the one that I think is such a great, it makes complete sense. The dark hold will be a big plot plot point in Agatha. I think this is the reason that show is getting made is what they're saying. A Kang variant wrote the dark hold. Because the Dark Hold describes Wanda as the next being, she the Nexus being, excuse me, she actually isn't because we know she has variants. So this was all built as a lie so that Kang could essentially begin taking measures against Wanda in the event that she tries to fight him. Because he knows she would be the biggest threat essentially on this planet. Are you subscribing to this little bit that he wrote the dark hold and it's this big master plot to basically neutralize Wanda. So that way the Avengers have to find a different spin on how to beat him. My knee jerk reaction is to say no, but I guess that's also me being hopeful of everything we've been talking about with midnight suns and everything, because like the dark hold ties so well into all of that. And I just, I feel like if that could definitely be a plot point of, have King write it and all that. But I feel like that closes too many doors. I feel like you, you could tell the story of everything King's doing, but also set up everything with the dark hold through Cathan and through all the, that kind of the magic side. Cause like, yeah, we're getting Agatha, her own series. We're getting like that whole side of Marvel. That's never really come out. And even a lot of, I suppose even just mainstream comic readers probably doesn't necessarily delve more into that darker side because sometimes that's kind of the the niche side of marvel comics a little bit but like leave those doors open because like you could go that route of the dark holds power you go you know with Lilith trying to bring about the midnight sun you can go bring in everything from you know blackheart mephisto like all that ties into the dark hold that ties into the old gods that ties into midnight suns like allegedly the hood is going to be an iron heart so like why would you try – which if the hood is in it, then Mephisto is going to be part of it as well. There's there's a little bit rumors of that. Why would you pigeonhole and bottleneck these major characters right. that are – I mean, think of Werewolf by Night and all the stuff they could do from that. I, I, I'm, I'm with you on it. I think there's a way to say that Kang wrote it without hurting those things. 
Possibly. I guess I just don't know how they would or with all due respect to phase five and this is phase four. And this is where you were right earlier when we talked about phase four. Uh, you talked about this in the pre-show, excuse me. <laughs> phase four has not felt great. And I think part of that is because of writing. And I think they did not establish these multiverse rules right. well at the beginning. I think they will course correct that in things like Loki too. And probably even in this movie coming up this week, Quantumania. I mean, for all we know too, you could even go run like, Hey, maybe there's a variant of King that went the whole magic route that went and kind of opened that whole thing up. Like you could totally he, do he that. Learned. Yeah. Right. Like you could totally go that route. Sure. It, it wouldn't be crazy. It wouldn't be a crazy thought. Maybe he, maybe he has the cloak of levitation and he is the sorcerer Supreme. Right. Maybe that's the route they go. I think that, I, or maybe, maybe he's, maybe he's the Scarlet Witch, right? I mean, I don't know. There's, there's ways to kind of work. Right. There's, I, I think there's a way to write it. My, my hope is that they get the right person to do it because I'm really hoping that Michael Waldron is not that guy <laughs> because Michael <laughs> Waldron did not do that well in Doctor Strange. I know that he did Loki two, Loki season one, excuse me, and maybe he'll be better in Loki season two, but he did not do that well in the movie. So I just hope they can kind of iron out that stuff and get those mistakes corrected. But it'll be interesting. That's it for little bits. These are not for sure things. These are just rumors. But take them with a grain of salt, everybody. Take them with a grain of salt. There's probably a lot more false things in there than true things. (laughs) Uh, Zane, thank you for taking time to be on today. And I really enjoyed spending time with you. Absolutely. It's always a lot of fun, you know get to chat about things we're liking and liking to watch and yeah. Good to, good to little you, hang you out. Say liking or liking like liking, like things okay. we're liking to watch, you know? Okay. I, very Minnesotan there. I just kind of combined. Sure. Words, so, sure. Know. Yeah. You. <laughs> you have a wonderful rest of your night, Zane. Thank you so much for swinging by. Thank you listeners, wherever you listened, however you listen. Thanks for making this part of your podcast experience. If you liked us, Leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love for you guys to do that. Uh, I got told today it doesn't help our algorithm, but it makes me feel better. Just make me feel better in the review. <laughs> um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, Discord, and TikTok, where you can see Robbie's beautiful face and see all the nerd news stuff. James Gunn retweeted us, guys. Come on now. Why wouldn't you want to be following us on Twitter? Make sure you're doing that. Uh, we love you guys. 3,000. We'll see you soon. See ya. Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Infinity Bros Podcast. You can find the Infinity Bros on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the Infinity Bros. Feel free to send listener feedback via email at infinitybrospodcast at gmail.com.